Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 1987, four men find themselves reunited with childhood friends for the first time in ten years. They are drawn together by the mysterious death of a mentor they all cared for together as children. World of Darkness, The Ultimate Evil is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game that takes place in Bismarck, North Dakota and is inspired by the satanic panic of the 1980s. Remembrance is the first story arc that follows Alex, played by Adam B., Wayne, played by Adam C., Che, played by Andrew, and Michael, played by Slavic, as they discover the mysteries that surround them in their hometown. If you would like to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. It is 1987, early September of 1987 in Bismarck. The fall is starting to come down the short period that can be called the fall before it starts snowing around Halloween. is hitting the city. Uh, those trees that are usually full and green and vibrant, full of life, are starting. their leaves are starting to turn yellow and brownish. Leaves are starting to fall. Twigs are starting to fall. Cool wind is starting to come through. Michael, it's around 4 o'clock on a Friday. You uh, are excited because you just got off work. You actually got had a day shift all week. You got the weekend ahead of you. You're young. You know, you broke off your relationship with old girl because it just wasn't going to last long distance. You're not quite sure what to do, but you have this sense of freedom walking out. You just got gotten out of the showers. You're not having to wear that uncomfortable, overly starched uniform of like dark blue pants and, and a light blue shirt with the creaky leather belt that still hasn't quite broken in for you yet. That seems to creak every time you move. And, and you're excited. You're walking to your car. I, I don't know what you drive. Do you have any idea what kind of car you drive? Or are you even familiar with American cars in the yeah. 80s? Or? <laughs> Not in the slightest. <laughs> it's kind of just, a, just an average car. You would say nothing fancy, right? Yeah, we could say something like Toyota Corolla, yeah, or something to that extent. And as you're walking up, getting having your keys, you have your duffel bag sling over your hair, still a little wet from the shower. You see a figure, a guy smoking a cigarette, and he when he sees you coming your way, he kind of just like flicks it on the ground and steps on it. He's about, I'd say, about your height, maybe about six foot, a little bit over six feet. Has solid gray hair. But it's combed back kind of in a, in a, in a stylish manner, you know, usually that you see in the eighties, uh, not in like a flock of seagulls. I'm just talking about just like slick back yeah. home. It looks very nice and presentable. Gray slacks on with a nice crease. You see some, some pretty nice black loafer shoes. He has a, like a navy blue windbreaker on that you see and see like a kind of a collar of a, of a black shirt that's coming out from underneath the windbreaker. Pretty clean shaven, except as you see, he has like a kind of a thinnish, a little like well-trimmed, thinner mustache on his lip. And as he sees you come by, you kind of see him, his eyes don't exclude any kind of harm or hatred, but he's definitely like standing pretty close to your car. Can I help you, sir? Yeah, yeah. He, and he goes out and he offers his hand and you recognize right away his accent is not from the North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota area. Uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, man. And he's like, and he extends his hand and he's like, Terry Murphy, how, how goes it? And you're, uh, Mr. Gray, right? And he leaves his hand out there. Yes, I am. Uh, why do you ask? Or how do you know? 
Oh, are you going to shake his hand? Or is yeah, yeah definitely. Of... Definitely shake his hand. He has a firm grip. And you can see, like, as you look down, he has a pinky ring on his right hand, which is kind of usually not something done. Usually in the north area, it's just a wedding ring. Of course, you see the gray on his knuckles, the gray hair on his knuckles. He's like, yeah. And he looks at you. He's like, well, first, let me introduce myself first. And he kind of, like, reaches inside his windbreaker, pulls out his, a business card, and he hands it to you. And, and as you and you look, he's like, I just want to ver- you to, to verify with you who I am. And as you look at the business card, it says like, you know, New York Post freelance reporter, and it has his name on there. And he pulls out his wallet and he kind of shows you like press credentials that are in his wallet. Yeah, look, if if you want to talk to uh to the uh, police about something, you gotta go. You know, well, this I is actually sort of point towards the station. You see him get get kind of serious look, and he, he's like, it deals with uh, Amanda Porter. Does that name ring a bell to you? Yes, it does, but that was a long time ago. Let, let, let me just, can let's say, and he kind of, you see him like moves his windbreaker and he looks at his watch. He has a kind of a nice gold, a gold watch in there. He's like, are you available like in a few hours, like, like around seven to where I could sit down, maybe have a drink with you and kind of explain to you the situation right now? Uh, okay. I, I guess, I guess I can make time. So there's a bar called, I think the main around here. I'm not from around here. So. Does that does that sound like a place where you'd like to meet up? Uh sure. All right. So seven o'clock. I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. And he's like, and trust me, I'll explain everything in due time. All right. Yeah, sure. As he walks off, you see him walk into a car that's not has rental tags on it. What what's going on in your head at this moment when 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 he's walking towards his car? It's definitely curiosity because he's curious what this guy wants, and and it's also. A bit, you know, those memories coming up because it happened a long time ago. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's a name you haven't thought of in a while, huh? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Kind of, damn. Uh, you know, what could he want? Does he want a story or what? And uh, well, a bit of regret, you know, because he regretted uh, not doing anything about those people when they threatened Amanda. Well, they've still been bugging him. Like to this well, day. it's probably probably not that much, but you know, he regretted it later on. Before he was scared, like, but afterwards, he probably should have said something. Maybe, maybe it would have turned out different. And that kind of leads to wrath. Yeah, that's the other one, wrath. Because so that probably is where that comes from too, where he, like he feels like he should have said just said something. Pure. I mean, you don't know if anything came from that, but you definitely are like felt like something should have be said. But in your head, though, too, like I could totally dig that because you still like there's a sense of like. Like you, you feel like there's some tie to those people, and you can't quite put your finger on it. And it's not just like a hunch, it's, but it probably drives you nuts to this day that you can't quite put your finger on what, why those three people are still stuck in your head. You know, when you see that. So, what do you do from uh, now until seven to when, when you're supposed to meet up with them? Cook dinner. <laughs> go home and do his normal routine. Is that how his routine pretty much is? Is like go home. Yeah. What does he do when he's not working for the most part? Uh. Probably uh, training. Uh, I don't know what one would train exactly. Uh, maybe gun range at the gun range or stuff uh, like that. Physical fitness. Yeah, physical fitness. Going for a jog, stuff like that. Yeah, he vis- visits his mother often because you know she took care of him for a long time, and now he's giving her money and stuff, so she doesn't have to work as much. So. So he doesn't really have time for a social life because he, a his money a lot of his money is going towards taking care of his mother. Yep. 
and B, he's constantly like, like almost like obsessed with just do keep doing physical stuff or yeah. training stuff to keep stuff off his it's mind. His, what you say? Yeah, it's the channel for the anger he had when he was younger. Definitely. Yeah, it's 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 still there. It's he he manages to control it most of the time now. So we cut to the main bar on Main Street in Bismarck, North Dakota. On the outside, it's kind of painted a pine green. It's it's a, it's a pretty large establishment for Bismarck. It probably is like, I would say like three, 4,000 square feet. When you walk up to the front of it, you know, there's a, like a sidewalk that kind of walks, goes around from the parking lot, like the buildings in front of you, parking lots on the right, with a lot of pickup trucks, stuff like that. A lot of piece of shit cars that are kind of just like barely being held onto by hopes and dreams and some duct tape. Then you have a sidewalk that comes around and there's windows that are in there. You can't really see what's inside, but you can see like a big old neon paps, blue ribbon, you know, Budweiser, a different kind of signs like that. Usually when you walk up to it, you can hear like loud doom, doom, doom bass of music, but it's usually like either some upbeat country Western, like Hank Williams Jr. or something to that extent uh, that keeps the crowd thirsty and, and the people dancing when, when you go inside and, and I'm just talking about people. I'm not talking about you're going inside there now, Michael, but just anyone who goes inside this place as you enter the main bar on the left is where the bar itself is. It has like a large area, walk up area, obviously with stools, but usually people are kind of like trying to wiggle their way in there to get a shot, a boiler maker or whatever they can from the bartenders that are working behind there. And as you look ahead of you, there's like booths and like circular tables. And then there's like a little dance area that's in the far right corner. And there's like a stage sometimes where you can get some horrible cover band that's usually trying to play for free drinks or enough money to get a, a, some, a carton of cigarettes to last them a week will play. And usually trying to live vicariously and pretend there's some rock star, which will never be. On a Friday night at, se- at around 6 o'clock, this place is going already because people have been off work now for about two hours. And it's a payday. And uh, all those hopes and dreams are going down some throats right now with whiskey and beer and women who reek of cigarette and cigarettes and lost dreams. And bad hair jobs, you know. This isn't like a classy establishment. Well, it's not like a biker bar. It's not like the Silver Dollar and Mandan where like the Dakota Riders and, and those type hang out with at. This is definitely a place where one knows his rules and one knows his women and one knows his Jack Daniels at, at an establishment like this. Alex, you're working right now. You're, what do you like at these moments, like on these Friday nights? Like how does your, does, does your character dread him or, or what, what's going on in his head at times like these? He loves it. He slips into class clown mode and making customers laugh as he's serving them, raking in the tips because they like him. Nice. It's it's all an act deep down, but it brings in the money. What does that act cover, though? Like you say it's all an act deep down, but is it like he's not really enjoying working there? He's not really feeling like like social there? Is, is it like what 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 is it covering up? He enjoys working there. He enjoys being social, but behind it all, there's still this void that he just can't quite fill. The, you know, the same void that he tried to fill with the drugs, but that never went gotcha. away. Gotcha. That makes sense. So it's, this is, yeah, he enjoys it, but yeah, it just feels like he's, I got you, man, trying to fill the hole with air. It's not working out. All right. So as you're sitting there and you're kind of like, like, with all with your with your social graces, just your personality, being a talker and a people person, your quick wit 
always saying something to these guys that just crack them up, especially you have a keen ability. You can tell if there's like three guys there and one's just kind of being the blunt end of the joke. You know, you can get two good tips from those other two. If you say something to him or sometimes you can think, man, this guy has money. I could probably say something to them to kind of change the momentum of the shit talk and you'll get a good tip from that guy. So you're really good at like kind of playing these people as you're sitting there working and you, I mean, it's just, it's busy. Uh, you got two other bartenders who are working with you and you have about like four waitresses who are out there. Like they're dre- they're dressed like in uh, stone. You remember the stone wash denim that was all the fad. They're wearing like stone wash denim and they're wearing like, you know, these, these blouses that have like a lot of, yeah, they're, they're, blou- they're blouses. They have, have a lot of like str- the, I forgot the, what they call it when all the purses have like the strings and shit like that, you know, kind of a country Western vibe that, that you dress up a lot of rhinestones and big belt buckles. These chicks are wearing with some boots with high heels and bigger hair, you know, their hair's all puffed out. Some of them have too much makeup on. A lot of them are single mothers that are trying to uh, get as much money as they can. As you're sitting there uh, working this bar, you see a figure that kind of stands out. He has gray hair that's kind of combed back in a nicer style. He has like a well-trimmed mustache that covers like a little bit of the top of his lip. That's gray. And he's uh he's just sitting there. looks like he's waiting for a drink. He has like a black button-up shirt, but with the sleeves rolled up a little bit. You, you see he has like, he has a pretty nice wedding ring and a pinky ring on. And he's just, he's just sitting there. It looks like he's waiting to be helped. But he's not waving his hand around or like a lot of these, these douchebags who are already kind of drunk already. Alex will ignore the douchebags, you know, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. Hold on one second. And he'll slide down to the gentleman. What can I get you, man? Yeah, uh, let me see. Uh, what's your top shelf here? Uh, well, we've got Giant Walker Blue, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's like, yeah, give me a what, you know, blah, blah. All right. And I'll pour it for him. You're like, wow, this guy's. <laughs> pour it for him in a clean glass, slide it over. Thanks. You see, I mean, he kind of takes it and he just kind of takes a sip and he, he's looking around. He's like, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but your, your name is Alex, right? Yeah. And he, and he takes a sip and he's like, you see, he's, how much do I owe you for the drink, by the way? Uh, Top shelf, uh, 18. All right. He pulls out. You see him pull out a 50 and he sli- slides a 50 towards you. He's like, uh, you can keep it for a tip, but I ask if maybe I get about 20 minutes of your time and about an hour here. Uh. Can you wait till uh, things die down a little? I'm kind of busy. This this has to do with the. Okay, let let me let me come at you this way. Uh, do you happen to remember a name, Amanda Porter? Uh, yes, I do. Why? What's this about? Did you would you say that your? How would you say your personality? Does your personality go from hey to what the fuck? Like, yeah, he just he immediately starts to get. He starts to uh, pull into himself. You know, he's, his hands become a little sweaty. He's like, oh, shit, what's, what's this all about? He starts freaking him, out a little on the inside. Like, are you trying to actively hide how you're feeling right now by, like, kind of keeping a facade up? No, not at all. Okay, so he can tell. Okay. He, he can so tell that Alex is bothered. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right. So, he's like, you see him, he has the, he has the, the top shelf in the glass. He's kind of, like, clink, clink, clink his pinky ring mm-hmm. on the cup with his right hand. And he's in there, and he's like... Are you all right? I, I didn't mean to cause any kind of. Uh, I hope I didn't. I didn't mean to make you feel this way, man. That wasn't my intent. It just uh, brings back some dark stuff. What do you need to know? And he pulls out. You see him pull out his wallet again. He takes out his business card. And he puts it on top of the on top of the fifty. He's like, "Hey, my my name's Terry Murphy. I'm a reporter, I'm not from around here. And I uh, I have another. I have someone else you may know who's going to be coming here at seven. Uh, Michael. And he pulls out a notepad. Michael Gray. Yeah, I know him. And you see him flip the notepad and he like puts it back in his pocket. He's like, I wanted to know if I could get 
a little bit of both your guys' time and talk about uh, 10 years ago. It's for a story that I'm writing. All right. Let me talk to my boss and see if I can uh, sneak away for a bit. All right. I appreciate it, man. And you kind of, don't forget your, don't forget the any motions towards the 50. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks. I'll take the 50, stick it in the, my pocket and sort of drift back over to the cash register with a somewhat vacant look in my eyes. All right. And you see, as you're going to the, you're going to the cash register, you feel like a, you feel a hand on your shoulder and you look in this, it's this chick named Carla that you kind of been flirting on and off with. You, you kind of said in character creation that you haven't been really too active on the scene with everything, trying to get clean and, and getting your life back on track, right? Yeah, he's trying to avoid those old demons, but being in a bar and being social, some of them just keep popping up. She just kind of, she's been kind of trying to, there's been this weird relationship, I guess I would say with you two and the fact that you only see each other at work. But it's, it's, it can be, it go from anything from flirtatious to like, you can tell she genuinely sees what you're trying to, you know what I mean? That you're trying to get your life back on track while all these other chicks are kind of, for lack of a better term, are just dumb as fuck and can't, don't seem to grasp what you're trying to do with your life and everything like that. So yeah. Chick, yeah. Are you, are you right over there? Uh, yeah, I'll be fine. I just, uh, I, I had a moment. Is he bothering you? I can get Bobby to remove him if you want. And you see Bobby's this big shit kicker and a fucking, bib overalls and a white t-shirt underneath just kind of lean against the door with the truck driver hat on no 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 hoss can stay where he is he just needed to talk you, you ain't having any urges now are you no no not yet well if you need a cigarette you let me know okay and she just kind of pats your hand and she goes you got walking three. out and you see <laughs> she just takes the pack out of her bra you know what i mean and she just kind of puts it next to the register and she starts walking off you Thanks, see some though. shit kicker like smack her ass and she just like kind of like smiles but then looks at you like like an eye contact like uh you know just kind of walks off and shit like that i'll shrug and grab the pack of cigarettes and stick it in my shirt pocket all right and hours going by and you know this guy he's just sitting there drinking his drink man kind of looking around you see a couple times he'll turn around uh, like on the on the stool and kind of just kind of look around what's going on him he kind of keeps beat with the music a little bit you know but definitely he kind of gets some odd looks you'll see where a couple guys will come up to him and kind of be like you know, you're not from around here. You know, like giving him weird looks and shit like that. You see, he talks to him a little bit. He doesn't try to act like he's better than them. And you kind of overcatch like New York City and shit like that. And as you're looking at the money of the business card he had on there, it says uh, Terry Murphy, you know, a New York Post freelance writer. And it has like the address of the New York Post on there. And you probably, I don't know, you can do with it what you need. But uh, he left that on the 52 when you took it. So seven o'clock comes around. And you're sitting there and you you kind of been paying attention to the door because he said that Michael is going to come through and you see the door open up. Michael, you're walking through to the scene I described with you. What, what are you wearing right now? Like, what are you dressed like? A denim jacket and I guess jeans or something. I don't know. What's his demeanor like when he's walking in? I mean, normally I'm sure he's been to, he's not too sociable, but like, especially with the situation going on right now, is he walking in like, like on edge or up? On guard, or, or what would you describe as demeanor? Uh, definitely not on guard. More curious, or not sure what what he's supposed to think of this dude. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably walk up to Alex. So, so hi, Mike. You doing all right? I'm alive. You uh, want a beer? Yep, bud. Keep him coming. All right. You know, pop you a hear, bud, slide it down. You hear about this reporter guy too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's uh down at the other end of the bar there. Yeah, so I kind of at this wait. point Alex is actively smoking a cigarette. 
Okay. He's uh, He's been here for a while. Yeah. I'll probably wave him over. He looks towards you guys and he like just makes a little acknowledgement, gets up and takes his like windbreaker with him, kind of hooks it over his shoulder and he walks towards you and he extends his hand. He's like, uh, Mike, how's it going? He, Mike, Michael, okay, what, what do you prefer to be called? Mike, definitely Mike. Mike, and he sticks his hand out. I'm glad you came. He looks at you, Alex. He's like, and he motions towards, there's a, like, you know, one of those stools that are kind of waist high or excuse me, that high where you, with the higher chairs, you can sit up to maybe three or four people. He's like, you might. Can we uh, sit over there and talk? And he's like, "What are you? What are you drinking?" And he motions like, "Get a picture of whatever Mike here is drinking." And you can, uh, and he goes ahead and pulls his wallet out and he kind of like slides a five. It'll All be right. on me. He's like, and if you want to drink too, you can grab one too on me. It doesn't matter. So mm, I drink for free. Thanks. He's like, I just I'm asking you to inconvenience yourself on a Friday night. I just thought I would uh, return the favor here and everything. So he's like, and he kind of goes and he heads towards the table. Right. You see, uh, Carla comes up to you and she's like, "You taking your break now?" I take it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me know if anything uh, breaks. She's like, "Yeah, nothing's broke." <laughs> she's like, "Uh, never mind." You see, you hear laughter as like a picture dropped, and she goes over there with like a broom and one of those little. Uh, Alex will just mutter, "God damn it!" Shit always happens, right? Yeah. So right, Alex will go behind the bar. <laughs> he'll pull a pitcher of beer and he'll grab a bottle of vodka. <laughs> And walk over to the table. As you guys head over to the table, he's sitting there and he kind of like pours himself one of the beers and he like motions with the pitcher to, to your cup, Mike. Yeah. And he kind of starts refilling it there. He's like, so let, let me explain how I got your names. I got your names because I was talking to Amanda Porter's mother uh, recently. And she mentioned the story about her counseling, working for like a program or something the summer of 1977. I'm sure you guys are real aware, I'm sure, and I've been told that you were at her funeral when, when they had her funeral back in Bismarck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do know the details of how she died? And you guys don't, but like you just know that she died or got murdered. Usually people keep shit to themselves in Bismarck when it comes yeah. to shit like that, you know? Have you heard the details at all of what happened to her? Mm, they didn't find the person who did it. Thing it's still a cold case, yeah. But she was um. Then he kind of looks at he looks at his drink and excuse. I don't want to become brash here, but she was raped and murdered, and and was found in a church. And Alex the the takes a pull right off the bottle. Her case is still a cold case right now. Her her fiance was a, a suspect, but he had an alibi. The people in California they honestly think that it, it's some um, pervert who is living along the coast. I am doing a story about it. And so I was talking to her mother and her mother was telling me, uh, I was asking her, so was there anything odd that happened within the last, you know, six months before she died? And her mother told me about how she came home one time and said she had gotten in an argument with someone or someone had confronted her or, or something like that. And she said that she had told her mother the only thing that stopped, she felt stopped it from becoming physical was the fact that the, the kids that she was working with that summer were kind of w- within the area and, and they, they left and they saw that the kids were watching. Does that bring back any kind of memory? Well, man, that was, that was quite a time ago. So something about like three people or something to that extent that were yelling at her. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That was, that was strange. Yeah. Did you know those three people from anywhere? Alex takes another pull off of the vodka. Nope. Didn't recognize a single one of them. Same here. As you, as you sit there, let's. I'm gonna have both of you roll uh, intelligence and composure plus one. I have two successes, and you have one success. Whoever has the highest. So as you're sitting there, right after you said, "I have no idea who they really were," Michael, 
all of a sudden you have this like really sharp memory in your head of seeing the blonde guy in the argument and then that day right away from going away party like it's like almost slow motion in your head like filling the wind and you looking and you seeing the guy as he's looking down at his mail as he's walking with his keys up some three steps into his front door of his house that was like a couple blocks down from hers wait wait i just remembered something i saw one of those men uh actually during her go away party when you know uh, the whole camp and uh, thing ended, and I actually saw that he lived a couple of blocks from her, or what was it, houses or whatever. Yeah, a couple of blocks. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, and he looks at. He's like, really? He's like, do you think you could find that house again? Mm, I could try. He's like, listen, that leads me to why I pulled you guys here together. I got your names because I actually had to do some wheeling and dealing. He's like, and don't hold it against me. That's kind of how we do things where I'm from. I went to the YMCA and I, I talked to this nice lady. I was able to get your names. I'm still trying to get the, some names of the other kids uh, that were in that group there. I want to make an offer to you guys. I, I have to travel a lot for this book that I'm writing. And I want to kind of put you guys under retainer. Uh, I'm willing to pay I'm willing to pay up to $500 a month. All I ask is when you have free time that doesn't interfere with whatever job you're doing now, that uh, maybe you can help me uh, look into some things here. A, I'm not I'm not really familiar, obviously. An Irish guy from New York City isn't really familiar with Bismarck, North Dakota, or this kind of area. But two, I, I, I feel that you guys know more about her personally and, and maybe uh, know more about the area. Would that be something you guys would be interested in doing? I sort of look at Alex, just, you know... Uh... Tell me more about the book. What do you have yeah. so far? And he's like, uh, and you see him sit back and he's like, can I get one of those from you? And he motions to your pack of cigarettes that are in your pocket. Yeah. I'll hand him one along with a lighter. He lights it and he's like, I haven't had one of these in fucking eight years. Now my old lady's going to give me shit when I go home. He's like, takes a drag and he's, he's like, listen, um, you're just, don't judge me, right? Without hearing me out, okay? He's like, have you uh, you ever hear of uh, Sam Berkowitz, the son of Sam, 44 killer from, frankly, from around 10 years yeah. ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago? I think yeah. there's something in the news about that. I uh, covered that story when, when started covering that story when he first got arrested. And I think that there was, he wasn't the only one doing those killings. And I think that there's evidence out there for that. And there's a couple other people like me who feel that way. And we are trying to shed some light on that. And Sam Berkowitz, in a very vague letter, addressed Amanda Porter's death and said that she was killed to be silenced. And now he isn't being any kind of see it takes a drag. He's, he's, not, he's not sharing information with us anymore. He's kind of hushed up. But for him to know something of this nature... And this area, it kind of has us thinking that there be maybe some connection between him or the people who we feel may have helped him in the deaths and the killings in New York and the death of Miss Porter. And he's like, my cards are on the table, guys. You guys could probably get up here and say I'm some fucking conspiracy nut and turn around and walk out. Uh, and I'd understand that from the reaction that I've seen from you guys. And he's like, especially you. And he kind of like has a cigarette between his fingers and emotions towards Alex. He's like, I, I think that you, you may have some emotional ties to this. Am I wrong in that? Assuming that? No, but I'm not. I don't trust you. I understand that. I can get that. And that that's smart. Let me just say it like this, right? Let's just say our relationship is a professional relationship, right? I'll pay you $500 a month. 
and they give you a couple things to look into. And at any time you feel like that the money's not worth it and you just want to cut ties and say, fuck it, you're more than free to. I just ask that you give me a chance with this. How does that sound? And then the more, if I find any more of these names of these kids that were in the group with you thinking maybe they can know a little something else, I'll, I'll point them in your direction too. How about that? Okay, I'll buy it. But as long as it doesn't conflict with uh, me being on the force, it might be better if you have a even an off-duty cop around, make sure you don't do something stupid. Well, yeah, and I'd appreciate that. I'm not going to be here. I mean, I'm going to be traveling. So, and I really think that, honestly, between us, I don't think that a lot of what I'm looking for is going to be located here. I think it's either in California or New York. I thought, what well, would it hurt trying to look into some things? I mean, frankly, this all could be dead end. But I do have one name that, that maybe yet you guys can look into that I heard somehow that when that the one of the broads at the YMCA told me that she was talking about. There's a name, uh, Jay, and you see him pulls out his notepad, and he's like looking through. Jay Bishop, mean anything to you guys? Nope. Never heard of him. Me neither. Uh, I just know that Amanda was telling uh, this lady that was talking to the YMCA about how he was, she was helping him get back on track and his like go to church again or some shit like that. And I guess how he was kind of an oddball, just got out of prison. He may be at a halfway house. I was the first lead I was going to see if you guys could look into. And now, I mean, that you're talking about that you think this guy that was arguing, you know where he lives, is maybe something else you could look into for me. Like, you guys can reach me up at, at, you know, I, I can, uh, you know, I have a, I have my secretary back in New York. You can call her at any time and leave a message that I randomly call to get messages from her when I'm on the road. If you need me to work it to, to, if you need to get in contact for something. But do we have a deal here, gentlemen? Frankly, I could use the money. I don't know if anything will come of this. It sounds pretty far-fetched, but... Do you have the money with you? Yeah. Then you see him, he pulls out his wallet, and he's like, looks around at the bar, he's like, can we go? Uh, he's like, doesn't want to be seen, so he kind of like turns his back towards the crowd, and you see him pull out, he's like, and he kind of slides five 100s to, to both of you, five, one, another five 100s, uh, one to Michael, one to Alex. So, we got a relationship, we got a deal here. I'm in. Yeah. We do, for now. All right. And you see him get up and he puts on his windbreaker. Yeah, and he looks at you. What's that? And he's like, the number, my secretary's on my card. I believe I gave you both a copy of my card. And he's like, you know what? And he's like, pulls out two more and gives you guys each another copy in case you lose the other one. I'm getting the fuck out of this shit town. I got a flight to catch to San Francisco. Let me know if you come up with anything. And it was nice to meet you guys. And he extends his hand out to both of you. Yeah. I shake it. I'll shake it All as right. well. You see him, he quickly zips up his windbreaker and walks the fuck out. You see the door close, and now you guys are left. Yeah. The music going on. Oh. You hear Country Boy Can't Survive being played by Hank Williams Jr. As you guys oh, are sorry. sitting there just kind of like looking at each other, $500 richer each. What the fuck was that about? I don't know. Hold on a second. Alex will get up, walk over to the jukebox, pop in a whole bunch of quarters, and pick every Zeppelin song in the jukebox, <laughs> and then sit back down. As, as you guys are sitting there, you're like, what the fuck is he doing? And as soon as Country Boy Can Survive comes on, you hear like Led Zeppelin, Cashmere, you know, you know, come up on the speaker. You see kind of people look for a second, and then you see a couple guys like nod their head that have mullets, oh, and are wearing like some kind of chinos with like a with a blue service shirt, like mechanic shirt with their name, or just kind of like starting to bop their head a little bit. They go back to drinking and, and hitting on women from the trailer park that they're probably from. So, Cigarette? Yeah, sure. Hey, let me get that for you. Uh, thanks, Matt. So, you still doing all right? I'm alive. 
and uh, reasonably healthy. <laughs> I hear you, man. You? Oh, I'm pretty happy, you know, sitting in at the force. Uh, been have to keep in contact with some of the less unsavory sorts of society. You know how it goes. Make sure I know what's going around, uh, going on in town. Less savory sorts like myself. Worse. <laughs> uh, so okay, when so you, when do you want to start working on this thing? Uh, not until after my shift, at least. Mm. I still got a few more hours here before I can uh, be done for the night. I'm in like tomorrow or something. Hey, uh, can I get your uh, phone number? You know, just so we can coordin- coordinate. Yeah, yeah, here. Five, 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 five. Yeah. Five. <laughs> and if I'm not at home, I'm at the bar. It's usually how it goes. Yeah, okay. I guess we'll be seeing each other tomorrow then. Yeah, you're not going to get all weird on me and, like, try to arrest me or anything, are you? I thought you were clean. I am, but I don't know if there's maybe a warrant or two still. I promise I won't check. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so as you're leaving, what what's going on in both your guys' heads as Mike walks out the door and you're kind of sitting there at the table? Uh, we'll go first with you, Mike, as you're walking out. Like, what, what's your character thinking, and what is what is he going to do for the rest of the night? Yeah, uh, I think what he's thinking is he's he thinks this is all a bit far fetched. He doesn't think we'll, uh, that we'll find anything, or at least anything of any import. But he's glad for the money, you know. Uh, he'll probably put it in a retirement fund or something because, you know. Give it to his mom or something like that, yeah. too, or something, right? Yeah. What, what, how does that memory impacted him that he had of, like, the guy walking that he lived so close to? I mean, it obviously, was it a little jarring how it kind of, like, just came out of nowhere? Like, you hadn't thought about that for so long like that? Yeah, it was more like, yeah, wait. I actually saw this dude. Um, probably, uh, it was, you know, he made that connection. Like, oh, so maybe it was some kind of dispute neighborhood thing or whatever. Yeah, and especially the fact that you have thought about the situation before. I mean, you even yeah. mentioned how at times you regret not, like, saying anything. And for you to have, like, completely forgotten that you had saw the dude outside that situation. Yeah. It's probably a trip too, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you think if you're sitting there thinking, I wish I would have stopped them, your natural chain of thoughts would have been, Oh, I did see him and I could have said something to him then too, you know what I mean? And I didn't say shit, you know, but like you hadn't even ever thought of that until recently. So does he pretty much just go home and like flip on the tube and think about shit or is he, cause he, is he going to go for like a run or what, what kind of like he's just going to pretty much do shit to get his mind off stuff again? Yeah. I think he'll, well, at this point it's, decently late for someone who works. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. He's probably just happy he gets to sleep until like seven. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, I get to sleep yeah. until seven tomorrow. So Adam, as he walks out, what, what what's going on with you now? You still kind of impacted by all this? Yeah, Alex is going to be very, very thoughtful for a few minutes. We'll probably hang out at the table for about 15, 20 minutes after both Mike and the reporter leave. He'll hit the vodka a few more times, probably go through a couple of cigarettes in rapid succession before he snaps back into, well, I got to work mode. You know, he'll pick everything up off the table, take it back to the bar, dump the pitcher. 
Yeah, he'll just start getting back to work. As you're dumping the pitcher and you start washing up, you feel a hand grab your wrist and you look and you see it's Carla and she kind of like starts dragging you to like the, the back area where you go and you like get the kegs and shit. You got to retap and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with her. And as we're going, uh, shit, I, th- I think I owe you a, a pack. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And as you got, you go into the back storage area where like the actual light lights are on. Is that like black light or? Dimness, she turns around and you're kind of struck too, like almost by, and I don't want to sound mean at all, but like by the fact that like she is not as attractive almost as when you see her, you know, normally out there. Does that make sense? You know, she's the morning after effect. Kind of, kind of see like the, 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 you know, you know a little bit about her, about how she has like three kids and her husband ran out and kind of stuff like that. And you see her skin's kind of bad. She has darker eyes and darker hair, but you can see she's kind of looking at you like she's ready to, and obviously I'm not going to get into detail, but she's ready to like pretty much be physical because she sees that like something is impacting you so much to kind of like get you back centered in a way, you know, not that you guys have ever been that way before, but you can kind of tell this is her like taking a step beyond what your guys' normal flirtatious, whatever relationship has been. Yeah, Alex will sort of shy away with, you know, definitely a little bit of discomfort there as he's uh, burning through another cigarette. I, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I just, it's 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 old stuff that I wanted to keep old. And you can see at first, like, she gets a sense of, like, um, rejection. Like, her eyes go from being very welcoming to, like, trying to be seductive to very, like, like downplayed, like like she's depressed almost. But then when she hears you say, it's almost like a roller coaster. It goes from like you know trying to be seductress to being like hurt to like all of a sudden being like, oh okay, like she gets it now. She understands that she's you know willing to be there and talk to you on that level. And she just, but you can see she's a little embarrassed for a second. You know, she's like, give me one of those cigarettes. She's like, give me a goddamn cigarette. And she takes one from you and she lights it real quick and puts her lighter back in the apron. She's like, what what what's gotten you so shook up? I. You've never told me about anything like that has you messed up like this before. It's, it's something from when I was a kid. That guy wanted to talk about it, and I I didn't want to remember it, but I did. You can always talk to me. Just know that, okay? Whatever you need from me, you got it, all right? You're a lot better than those assholes who are out there grabbing my ass and fucking spending their paychecks while their kids are hungry, all right? You're better than all that, okay? And she just kind of like, don't, don't let this, like... I don't want you to like see you like this because usually you're better than this, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Carla. But uh, they, I think I'm gonna need to just work it out on my own. Do you need to take the night off? I can go talk to Bobby and see if you can get the night off. No, nah, no, nah, it's better if I work. Let me, uh, let okay. me put my mind elsewhere. All right, I understand. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just? media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. 
We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.